Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ladies and gentlemen. What's up, everybody? This is Wildcat Radio 2.0. I'm Adam. He's Brett. And we have a Territorial Cup showdown to talk about later in the show. And we'll get to that. Of course, we'll get to that uh, with some thoughts on ASU and Arizona coming up on Friday. But first, Brett, Arizona men's basketball went to Maui and won themselves a championship. So that's cool. Not just a, 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 I mean, it's not the championship, a championship, but also a championship in a tournament in Maui that had some real talented teams on there and Arizona is looking like they're going to be ranked pretty high come next week after the, after that performance. Yes, yes, Arizona of course went to the Maui Gym Maui Invitational beat Cincinnati which was good. Very convincingly, then they played number 17 San Diego State, won that game fairly convincingly final score of 87-70, and then played number 10 Creighton on Wednesday in a game where Arizona pretty much led throughout. There was like a brief moment in the early in the second half where Arizona fell behind by like a point. And then they led the rest of the way. And it got a little close at the end, but never really in doubt from my vantage point anyway. And either, no matter how you look at it, Arizona, of course, they were undefeated going into this game. They were 3-0. and But there were questions like, okay, they haven't played anyone good. And that was true. And they lost so much from last season's team where you're like, okay, how good can they be? Yeah, they're ranked number 14, but how good are they really? Well, <laughs> I mean, it's these only three games. They only, you know, but they beat number 17, San Diego State, number 10, Creighton. It looks like Arizona's pretty good. Yeah, they they look cohesive and confident. Um, I mean, Umar Balo is playing like a maniac out there. He was so um, good. You know, I, I, I tweeted from the handle today during the Creighton game that I, I saw a hashtag Thanksgiving trending, and I assumed people were just watching Umar Balo because he was just <laughs> crushing it. Um, but and it's not just that he's, I mean, a lot of that had to do with Kirk Carissa setting him up for a lot of easy, easy Easy mix, mm-hmm. right? Um, Kirk Carissa, speaking of confident and cohesive, he he's kind of at the core of that. Um, his he may be the best passer in college basketball as of as of this moment. Uh, he's he's his facilitation skills right now are really really high. His decision making seems to have stayed aggressive, but not um, irresponsibly so mm-hmm. <laughs> compared to maybe times in the past, both in shooting and kind of the passes he would attempt. Um, and also, like, don't overlook. Courtney Ramey coming back in this tournament looked like a guy that <laughs> I, I I would say that he, you know in in the old system where, where he wasn't in a um, Coach Beard system he wasn't maybe given that much freedom to play offensively the guy's offensive skills I think are underappreciated and his NBA film just got a lot better even just after this Maui tournament where I think he has a chance of getting drafted in, in next year's draft. Yeah, well, what I think we saw in Maui was the pieces really seemed to fit together well. And we know this team doesn't have necessarily the high flyers like last year's team did. Right? There's no Ben Mathen, there's no Dale Terry, there's no Christian Coloco. But Tubelis, Azulis Tubelis looked good. Umar Balo looked great. Courtney Ramey, who we hadn't seen, looked like a great fit for this team. Like what they need, he kind of has that dog mentality that I know you're always looking for. Wonder who's going to take a big shot. Well, he can get his shot off and he can make it. He has range. He's got that swagger. Kirk Reese played some of the best three games that he's had, like straight. It's like if he was this guy at the end of last season and in the tournament, Arizona is a different team, but he was hurt and couldn't be this guy. But the things that Arizona needed to be really good. Now they didn't get Adama ball. He's looked not great so far, right? Henry Vesar, good defender, but still very raw offensively. But so many of these pieces, Courtney Remy has been good. Cedric Henderson Jr. has been good, productive, you know, like if this team's going to be good, these are the things that have to happen. And they did. And, 
you don't fluke your way into winning this tournament, not against those teams. And I saw some of the come to our friend, Mr. Equity Bruin is very high on Arizona after watching them play. And it's easy to see why like, they look a lot like last year's team without there's fewer lob dunks. But otherwise, the pace they're playing at, the efficiency they're playing with offensively, the assists numbers and everything, it's all the same. Yeah. I, well, and I don't even think we've mentioned Azulis Tubelis, as the competition has ramped up, has maintained his aggressive uh, demeanor that we were wanting to see. You know, I think there's Tommy Lloyd's system gives a lot of freedom, but it also is, you know, good ball movement like I, th- I think i said last week is is a good running game again uh, uh, on defense right like it wears the defense down a little bit it gets you to uh the, the the ball will eventually find an open shot and that makes life easier on everybody that's eventually going to find that first open shot and sometimes it's umar Balo, sometimes azulis tubelis uh sometimes it's courtney ramey sometimes it's pella larson who's still looking really good that the, it's this team is 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 i keep coming back to cohesive right now and the, the the crazy thing is, some guys that we expected to compete like uh, and and play big minutes, like you were high preseason on Adama Ball, and he's looked okay. <laughs> Hasn't taken the jump that I wanted to see. Doesn't mean it won't happen, but he has not looked like a guy who's ready to play twenty minutes a game. Someone who they can lean on and count on. Not yet. Yeah. So you know, you look at you look at the start so far, and it's you know Adama Ball. You think would hopefully be able to take a step up. Henry Vasar has had some flashes. Uh, you know, Courtney Ramey is not going to shoot 62% from three for the season. I'm confident. Probably saying. not. No. If he does, he will be a first round pick in the NBA <laughs> next year. Um, but the, it's, you know, Omar Ballo's development, the 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 maturity gains that you've seen in Tabellas and Carissa, the, the net addition of Courtney Ramey, I think in one of the, you know, I was... I can't remember if it was one of the games or reading somewhere that people were concerned that Arizona couldn't guard on the perimeter without Dale and Terry or Ben Mathurin out there. And it's like, Courtney Ramey is a great defender, guys. And Cedric Henderson's pretty good, too. And Adama Ball is... I'm, I'm convinced he's way taller than his list, listed height. Um, you know, it's 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 a really fascinating, fun roster that I think is going to... It's going to keep looking good for a little while. And after beating a couple ranked teams in Hawaii, I'm guessing they're going to be... They should be ranked in the top 10, right? You'd think there's it's if there was any doubt, and there's probably still some doubt. It's it's Arizona. They lost a lot, but if you look at what they have and what they've done, it's like, oh, okay, you know, there's some level of yeah. Tommy Lee knows what he's doing. This is a good roster. What I like too is the types of teams they played were all a little bit different. You know, and I, I get San Diego State's not Houston of last season. They're not that good, but their style of play, they want to kind of slow the game down. They want to kind of beat you up a little bit, play physical, and Arizona matched that. It took a little while to figure it out. You know, they were up in the first half, and it got close, and then they pushed, they pulled away, and it was a blowout. And then Creighton, of course, more of an offensive-styled team. Get up and down the floor, they shoot, they got some size, and Arizona handled them pretty well, too. I Kind of like last year, one of the things that we liked about this team was there wasn't, it didn't seem like there was a style they couldn't hang with and or be superior to. Now, granted, they got into the tournament, they played this, that bully ball, and without Kirk Kreese being healthy, and it just didn't work because Azulis wasn't great at all. But maybe this type of team this year has a little more of that edge to it. You know, it doesn't necessarily need to be the high flying. It could just grind you down. I think I forget which coach it was, which game was San Diego State or if it was the Creighton one. But they're like, this team can play in the half court, too. Like, everybody talks about how much they run, but their half court offense is outstanding. You know, that high-low game with the bigs. And we're a ball of, I, it's only been six games. But I just think of how far he's come from when he first kind of jumped on the scene last year. I want to say it was at Stanford. When I think as it was Tabellus got hurt and Balo comes in, it's like, oh, he played 20 minutes and was productive. That's interesting. This guy actually can help them. And now this year, he might looks like their best player so far, most consistent, dominant player. Like, wow, where did that come from? And he's not colloquial. He's not a seven footer running down the floor like that, a high flyer, but he's such an imposing player. And his skill and touch around the basket is impressive. Uh, he is so skilled for a guy his size. So, yeah, I, I, I don't watch this tournament and say, yep, Arizona's going to the Final Four. But I think you can watch that tournament and say they if they're not as good as they were last season, they're not far behind, most likely. Yeah, I think I think you can say I think this team may be somehow even more consistent. Maybe they're super end high end ceiling that I'm not even sure last year's team ever played a game where one or, you know, at least one or two guys didn't have a down game. But it's similar in that sense where this team can absorb a guy having a down game. But they I think they're they're Dalen Terry wasn't a scorer, right? He was a pure facilitator, and he almost had to force him to try to score and take shots. 
there's not that there's not that uh, lack of a score at any point on the court in this roster where I think they're gonna they're gonna do really well. I think if they play their best game, boy, they're gonna be tough to beat. It certainly seems that way, and I like the way the pieces fit. I like what Henderson brings. I like what Courtney Ramey brings. And that freshman, it looks like they can sort of bring them. Like, Vesar has played because they could use that size, but he still makes an impact, even though he's definitely needs to bulk up a little bit upper body and refine his game. But you can see the talent, the potential is there. And I, I think even seeing the way Umar Balo has progressed, and Grant, he's been with Tommy Lee now, this is his third season, but seeing the way he's progressing, the way some of these guys have gotten better over the last couple of years, yes, there's always going to be that natural progression as you get older and more experienced in college basketball. But there's reason to believe that someone like Henry Vesar will be a much better player three months from now than he is today. You know, the player you saw out there today or you saw him in Maui who, yeah, he rebounded some, blocked some shots, had a couple opportunities near the basket. Yeah, he's okay. He can help them. But the guy he's going to be three months from now, when he gets to February and March, is going to be completely different and just that much better. And yeah, is Arizona going to be in the top 10? I guess I have to see what else happens in the teams ahead of him. It's hard to go from 14 to, you know, seven. But even last year's team, they kind of had to prove it to people. And once they left Vegas, more people were like, oh, okay, this team, this team has something. I forget what the ranking was. I don't have it in front of me, their progression. But there was every reason to question how good they'd be this season. And they're still not a finished product. They're not, you can't be sold on them. You know, they still got some tough games and, you know, Utah, Cal, then Indiana in Las Vegas coming up on December 10th. That'll be a fun matchup. And then, of course, Tennessee uh, about a week or so later. But, yeah, this is a good basketball team. <laughs> like It's going to be another fun season, and it's going to look a little different than last year for legitimate reasons, but it doesn't mean it's going to be worse. doesn't mean that this team can't get it done. And the early indications right now, they're 6-0 with a Maui Gym, Maui Invitational <laughs> uh, Championship. Yeah, they're, they're doing everything they can right now to silence any critics and show that they're going to be a force to be reckoned with once again. Yeah, and those those teams and that experience and having some tough matchups in a neutral site uh, away from Pac-12 officials will 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 benefit them in the long run. Henry Vasar all the way through, right? I like the play. I think it was the San Diego State game, whereas it was to Bellas dove on like to get a loose ball and like dove on like the ball, lost the ball. The guy who was he was fighting with had the ball, and two Bellas tried to call timeout without the ball. And I'm like, he probably thinks it's Pac-12 refs and might give him the call. So I understand why he tried that. But yeah, even like the close games, like it'd be nice to see Arizona win every game by 30. But there's a lot of value in playing teams like this who maybe you won't see. You're not going to see them twice. They're not in the Pac-12. But playing games like this that are tough, that you have to make shots or get a stop or just inbound the basketball and get the ball up the floor in a close game, like that's going to happen. You're going to have games like that. You're not going to win every game by 20. You're not going to win every game 105 to 70. You know, you're going to have to win tough games when you're not playing your best. Arizona was able to do that. So, yeah, I'm, I was excited about this team. We both were going into the season. But nothing that happened has made me even less excited. I'm probably even more excited just having watched them play that tournament the way they did. Yeah, and, you know... <laughs> To, to oversimplify this, it's going to be a fun ride because this is going to be a fun team to watch. So I'm Absolutely. very excited. Absolutely. So, Brett, I think that's enough for basketball talk. Of course, Adia Barnes' team is doing great. We're going to get into them more down the road as well. But this is, of course, Territorial Cup Week. Arizona, Arizona State football comes off a tough loss for the Wildcats where they fell out of bowl contention. But let's talk some football after a break. It's only a kick. A jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Okay, we're back. And before we can talk about the future, we do have to kind of briefly touch on the past. Arizona, Washington State. That, that could have gone better. <laughs> Arizona was the biggest game in Tucson in a few years, at least, with you know Arizona playing a good team, but a beatable team. I think they're only like four and a half point underdogs going into it. And if Arizona had won, they'd be playing ASU for a chance to go to a bowl game. 
Arizona did not win. Um, they played arguably their worst game of the season, if not their worst game, certainly in the last few weeks. They lost 31-20, but it wasn't even that close. Jay Delora was not good. Their, him and their receivers were not on the same page. The defense hung in there. But, yeah, overall disappointing performance from a team that had something to play for. Yeah, disappointing performance. Um, you know, there, there, there were some bright spots. The defense – you know, showed fight again, showed some showed some improvement. Lots of tackles for loss, lots of good hits. Gunnar Maldonado played maybe his best game as an Arizona. He was outstanding. Cap. Yeah. Um, you know, some other guys made some nice plays. But the boy, what a what a clunker from the, the, the Arizona offense from top to bottom. Um and I I personally you know, you you know, we talked last week where I said this is gonna be a real test of the coaching staff and how they can control Jaden Delora's emotions and take some of the decision making out of his hands to try to mitigate some of those, you know, things with play calling and, you know, quick, quick, you know, quick reads. Uh Jed Fish and the offense kind of went the exact opposite and it showed. Um, you know, they were way too pass heavy in my opinion, on like on the opening drive, way too, you know, there's times to get cute with play calling. I'm not sure uh, long developing gadget plays when you have a backup left tackle in <laughs> that get blown up are are the best plays to call, especially on fourth and two. Um, you know, I I I put a lot of this game on on the on the offensive game plan. Um, it's just because that's where the team failed the most, right? Um, and that's before you even get into the the interceptions that were thrown in Jane Delora, just, you know, back to being bad Jane Delora game. Well, and that's why I'm not even sure like bad and Jane Delora to me. And I, I can get on board with the coaching in that there were certain game plan aspects. Like, okay, why did you not try to run the ball? I'm like you have to run your offense, even without your starting left tackle, you can't just be like, well, we don't have that. So we're just going to do everything that we don't do. Like you are who you are. And I understand that. And certain plays like the fourth, I think fish is like the play was open. It just got blown up. So it's like there's a balance, right? Because the guy's open. If the play gets blown up, then it wasn't necessarily a good play. Like you have to be able to block that play in order to run that play. So I get that. For Delora, to me, bad Delora is when he's making bad reads and forcing the ball into place is trying to do too much. And a lot of this game, at least two of the interceptions, like the last one was a bad throw just off his receiver's hands. It was high and behind him. But at that point, it didn't matter. But the two middle ones especially, it looked like he thought the receiver was going one way and the receiver went the other. And that doesn't make it good. Right. I don't know what there was like if Cowing, there was one he thought Cowing was the hot route and Cowing didn't know that because the left tackle missed his block or something went wrong. So that's just a miscommunication. That ball goes one way. The receiver goes the other. It looks like a bad throw. But in reality, it's not the same as him just throwing into double coverage. You know, and then there's one I think McLaughlin just stopped on the route. And it was a play earlier with Dorian Singer where it caused a sideline kerfuffle between uh, Delora and Singer where, you know, Singer stopped on the route and Delora threw it where he thought he was going to be like. Those things happen. They probably shouldn't be happening that often in your second to last game of the year. So that's concerning. But that to me, like it was a garbage performance from the offense. Play calling wasn't great. The game plan, I can give you that. Delora wasn't good, but no one was good. Like Delora didn't get any help either from his receivers, which have been a strength all season. I mean, Singer ultimately had a great game, 176 yards and a touchdown on nine catches. But just him and like the receivers and Delora, all of them, they were, they were off. You know, what caused it? Was it Washington State? Was it something? Was it the nerves? I have no idea, but they were off. Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's probably all of that. Um, and ultimately, you know, the players are the ones on the field that make the plays, right? And make the reads and have to have to have to be communicating with each other. Um, and at the end of the day, in my mind, if there's a miscommunication between the receivers and the quarterback, uh <laughs> I, I, I'm of the mind that no matter what, it's the quarterback's responsibility to make sure there's not miscommunications, right? It's like the leader's role is to just take responsibility. And if that sure. means taking responsibility for your, you need to know that the guys are out there, you but, trust to make the right read, it's on him. But if he comes out and says, I made the wrong read or something, that's fine. But the reality is, okay, what happened here, right? What he says in public, sure. What he says in the locker room, sure. But they got to figure it out, whatever it is. If the receiver didn't know the play, if the receiver went the wrong way, made a left when he should have made a right, that's not the quarterback's fault. But that's what they have to figure out, especially those ones that are options. Because a lot of times they're, you know, the receiver has to read, they have to read the cover to decide which way are they going. When you're on the same page, it turns into long completions. When you're on the same page, it can turn into goofy looking interceptions. You know, so if they're not seeing the same thing out there, that's a problem that goes on both the receiver and the quarterback. No, I, I agree. I guess what I'm saying is more of a true, like, it's, it's ultimately it's on the quarterback who has the ball in their hands to make sure that. If, if they're not on the same page, he needs to make sure they get on the same page. Yeah. Right. Well, they got a week and, to do that. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and I, I mean, to some extent that's on the coaching staff as well, but I, I don't know. They were, they were slow coming out of the gate that 
the defense is actually who kind of there was it's very low energy there there you know I was there it was a, a small crowd it had a it had a weird game that felt like they didn't they weren't that the offense didn't really care to be there beyond Jaden Delore who probably cared a little too much <laughs> um but yeah I I think I I'm gonna I I put a lot I put this this loss in, on Jed Fish and the offensive game plan and and Jaden Delora and that's really where it ends for me because I think the defense showed a hell of a lot of fight and a lot of you know against a, a okay Washington offense or Washington State offense. Um, and Washington State is a good defense. They have the top scoring defense in the Pac-12. Like that's a yeah. good defense, and that's the one common denominator too. I think for. De- People talk like the bad Jay and Delore games. Those bad games happen to be against the best defenses in the conference or the best defenses they've played. Weird. Like, imagine that. Like, you know, and that speaks to one like the offensive line isn't great. The running game isn't great. And Delora can be inconsistent. But, you know, that they start like it's disappointing to say how many times if Arizona could have held their opponent to 31 points would they have won this season? <laughs> They'd have a handful more wins than, than they do. But of course, Washington State is the type of team that can win with 31 because their defense is that good. So that's that's the context. It doesn't make it right. It doesn't make it fun. It doesn't make it acceptable that Arizona played that much of a clunker because their offense needs to be able to be better than that. You know, 20 points doesn't look horrible until you realize that 14 were in the fourth quarter when the game was already over. Like, it was not a good performance offensively when the defense gave them a chance and kept them in it. Well, and it's 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 so bizarre, too, because Arizona, I think, outgained by 90 yards and had 6.5 yards per play compared to 4.8 for Washington State. If I had told you that before the game, you'd say, oh, wow. We're gonna win this game. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, of course, turnovers are part of that. But even, even uh, the the fumble that Washington State lost—that was after they. I'm pretty sure they had gained a decent amount of yards on that. Yeah, they were heading into score. Yeah, yeah. So like, it's it was it's kind of a bizarre game in that way. Um, but you know, it's the at least now there's not the added pressure of the uh, the bowl game expectation or ASU motivation um, to want to keep Arizona out of a bowl game heading into the Territorial Cup. And uh, and hopefully we get we're back to to good JDL because he went from maybe his perfect game that he's ever played to the opposite of that and now we, hopefully he bounces back. Yeah, and let, you know what? Like that's the thing. ASU does not have quite the defense that Washington State has. Brett, that game's coming up next, and you know what? We are joined by one of our favorite guests. We talked to him I think every year about this time. Brad Denny, Speak of the Devils podcast, of course, he covers ASU football for them. Brad, welcome back to Wildcat Radio Two Point Gentlemen, always a highlight of the football season to talk to you folks about the best rivalry in the country that no one really talks about. Yeah, well, especially this year because it's such a big game for <laughs> two teams that are neither one's going to a bowl game, neither one has been particularly guy. I'll preface by saying, like, I think Arizona's going to win this game. Whereas of all the seasons, especially in recent years, I don't think Arizona's been the better team. I think quite clearly Arizona is the better football team this season. Now, that doesn't mean they're going. That doesn't necessarily mean they're going to win. But I think Arizona is just playing better football, even though they're coming up a loss to Washington State. But ASU, it's just been a mess of a season. I know Herm Edwards was canned after that early season loss, and Sean Iguano comes in. First it was Ohana, and now I guess it's personal too. I think he said. So I, I don't know what's going on there. But just your assessment of the Arizona State football team as it heads into this game, what's likely to be the final game of the Sean Iguano era. Yeah, this season has been uh, quite a mess, a roller coaster ride. Um, started off, of course, with you know some measured expectations. Um, you know, the team had kind of like a circle the wagons mentality since, of course, you know, coming to the season with all the turnover, the end of last season. Uh, that there's kind of a us against the world, and got off to a good start against NAU, as you know. You, I, I guess you guys should. Hey, know. that's no joke. I say <laughs> no win over quality over win. Jacks can quality be win. you know assumed. Yes, <laughs> the high water uh, mark for sure. Uh, then they then they played at the time a top ten team on the road to Oklahoma State and did pretty well all things considered. Some um, things that you know were some positives to take away, and then of course week three. They just get absolutely run over by Eastern Michigan. Uh, then, of course, you know, at that point, they had to make a move. And, of course, any early season coach firing just begs the question, like, if you did it that early, why not just do it in the offseason? Because it was probably the right move then as well. And so Sean Aguano, well-respected guy. Everybody in that locker room really loves him. But it's just a really difficult hand that he was dealt. And he's kind of done the best with it. You know, get a win against Washington when they were ranked. And it was turned out to be a pretty solid team in its own right. But just the inconsistencies of this team and just kind of the toll uh, just down the stretch really kind of seeming to just kind of, you know, really drain this team. Um, things that had been good early in the year, you know, mostly a, a defense that returned a lot of key players and had some good newcomers 
just has been really pretty dreadful down the stretch. Um, they made a, a change at quarterback, of course, went from Emory Jones to Trenton Borgay, and he had some early success. You know, granted, I, I think you and I, Adam, uh, you and I talked about Adam. You know, lighten up Colorado. You know, that may not necessarily be the best bellwether for you know if this is a sustainable model or not. But he, you know, he's been a better fit for this offense, and Sean Guano has been more aggressive since he took over play calling duties from Glenn Thomas. But against more talented defenses, just had a real hard time. Uh, just overall, it's just, it just seems like a, a program that just sees that a new era is on the horizon. Uh, expecting you know a new coach announcement to probably be uh, sometime next week. People are just kind of ready to turn that page, but there's still just one more very important thing to go. So it'll be interesting to see just how dialed in this team is. Uh, one of the, the probably the best thing to say about Sean Aguano so far in the nine or the eight games that he's been head coach is that. This is a program, obviously, that almost could be forgiven of just kind of, you know, packing it in, given all the difficulties and the trajectory. But they've been playing hard every game. They've been fighting, even games where maybe the score, you know, they're down multiple scores against a better team. But they're still playing hard. They're still going. So they're just interesting. It will be interesting to see if they can bring just one last big time performance uh, to send out the seniors who, have, at this point, have never lost the U of A in uh, their career. So you, you mentioned that there's been. Uh you know, a little bit of a, a couple changes in the quarterback room and there's a little bit of uncertainty. Do we know who's who's planning to start Friday? I know there were some potentially some health concerns with Borgat. Yeah, Borgat is not 100% healthy. Um, that was uh, been pretty evident both in terms of his on-field performance, but also in just, you know, Sean Aguano mentioned that, you know, he's he's been banged up a little bit. Uh, the first uh, play of the Wazoo game took a brutal blindside uh, hit. Um, and then kind of uh, a couple series later, left that game for good, came back last week, did his best, but uh, clearly was not just not the same quarterback that seemed capacity. Uh, all expectations are that he's going to be the guy. Of course, you know, there is that subplot there, you know, him being a Tucson kid with, the, you know, his family's big in a seven on seven scene, Tucson turf and all the things he was able to do as a prep down in the Marana area. Um, now coming back and, and he has a chance to perhaps, you know, cap the season with a win over the his hometown Wildcats. So it'll be interesting to see there, but um, yeah, he's a guy who definitely brings a lot to this offense. You know, he's not necessarily having the a tremendous skill set, doesn't have the strongest arm, not exactly the most mobile quarterback, but just from, kind of from the neck up. I mean, he's an offensive coordinator on the field as well. He knows what the other, uh, you know, 21 guys on that field are doing at any, any given time. Just the issue there has just been trying to find that consistency with the, the offensive scheme that has been kind of vanilla at times. Uh, it's been a little bit more aggressive with Sean Aguano, but just, you know, they have they have some weapons. Just being having the consistency to use them appropriately uh, has really kind of been the, the lacking factor over the last month. So, so Brad, uh, you, you, I think you answered my question in your in your answer to the last one with Borgay, and I apologize for mispronouncing his name. I've listened to many podcasts when they pronounce it seven different ways. Um, <laughs> For for our Arizona Wildcat fan listeners, tell me tell me if this if you think this is a fair comparison to him in terms of what his floor and what his ceiling is in a given game. I feel like Borgay is is Rhett Rodriguez for ASU essentially in skill set and physical nature. Is that is that a fair framing? I won't say I'm overly familiar with with Rhett. I mean, he was he went down to what ULM right and was with his dad and played at Monroe. But he yeah, just UCLA in the Rose Bowl. Adam Green was there for that game. Oh, I was man. there for that game. It was a treat. Big time. Uh, yeah, so I, I would say, yeah, Borgay definitely is a guy who knows everything that's going on in the field. He, uh, I did a feature on him, you know, like four or three years ago when he was the fifth string quarterback on the scout team. He came to ASU to kind of learn from Herm Edwards, this, you know, these, the staff of NFL uh, or coach with NFL experience because that's that's what he wants to do. He's, he's a guy who, dating back to kindergarten, was drawing up playbooks. He lives, reads, eats football. Um, but it's just, again, he's, you know, about 5'10 or so, doesn't have a strong arm. You see that when he's on the throats, throws to the sidelines and outside the hashes that ball takes a little bit to get there. And there's been some interceptions where DBs have been able to kind of jump those routes. Um, so I think the, the thing is just kind of trying to play his best football is when we saw him coming off the bench against Washington, I think, when he was kind of playing just more of a point guard position. Just you have a, a very dangerous wide receiver in Elijah Badger who you can get the ball to um, in, in short areas and, and just let him do his thing. They have a couple of good tight ends who ASU fans all season long have been bemoaning uh, that they've not gotten the ball more. Jalen Conyers had a big three-touchdown breakout against Colorado, but they've been looking to kind of uh, get that going as well. So I think if, if they're within the scheme of just having you know, X Valdez, one of the better, better running backs in this conference, just lean on that run, but then also just kind of have Trenton be the point guard of the position, not asking him to necessarily make 
huge big plays downfield and, and kind of play outside of his his uh, skill set. I think that's the best case scenario for ASU. When, but sometimes we've seen in recent weeks when they've asked him to kind of stretch that field when they've been uh, behind and having to try to rally a little bit more. That's when we see kind of the, the situation where those limitations come to the forefront and ASU just struggles and, and mistakes. And you'll see like, you know, three, four drives in a row where just a, the offense just completely stalls out. Now, you mentioned it because teams can win with caretaker type quarterbacks, with point guard type quarterbacks, if there's enough talent around them, right? You mentioned Elijah Badger. He's had a very good season, especially since the coaching change. And X Validate has been very good. And yet at the same time, you look at ASU, they're what, seventh in the conference in rushing offense, right? Like they have a, this outstanding running back and their running game is mediocre. It's pedestrian. They have maybe a really good receiver, but that's it. You know, decent tight ends. Like, what is it about this offense? Like, is there enough around Trenton Porgay to allow him to be successful in that way? Because I know against decent defenses, it hasn't been the case, right? Against Washington, they were lighting up the scoreboard. Since then, it's been a bit of a struggle outside of, I guess, Colorado. So, like, what is it about this offense? Is there enough on that offensive side of the football to scare a defense? Because, like, Arizona's defense isn't great. They have played better the last few weeks, but it's not a very good defense. Does ASU have enough weapons to kind of take advantage of that and make Arizona's defense look like the bad version it had been for most of the year? I think that the the weapons are there. It's just the big thing for me is the offensive line has been uh, really poor the last few weeks, especially. Uh, their best offensive lineman, Ladarius Henderson, he injured his hand late in the game against Washington. He hasn't played since, and the the offensive or the offensive line really has not been the same since then. Uh, also, starting center Ben Scott missed last week. He did dress out and, and was going through warm-ups a little bit, so there is hope that he might be able to come back because that interior of the offensive line especially – has been pretty rough this last couple of year or last couple of weeks because with Henderson out they've shifted right guard Chris Martinez, a San Diego State transfer over left guard. They've kicked right tackle Des Holmes into right guard. Ethan Boley, a, a Division two transfer, has now been the right tackle. Um, so just kind of one of those domino effects where just one thing, one piece in the offensive line is out, and then I think it's just really kind of had a, a, a ripple effect in terms of the offensive line just have been really poor. And uh, the uh, Oregon State Beavers had a really uh, a lot of success, just kind of bringing pressure up the middle. A couple on key, a couple key third downs. You know, Borgay would have guys instantly in his face, and you would have to throw an off balance throw, off platform throw, which um, those really kind of impacted the flow of the offense. But in terms of the, the weapons, yeah, you mentioned X Valade has been absolutely phenomenal. He's going to go down in history as one of the best single season Sun Devils uh, in history. Nearly 1,100 yards, 16 t- total touchdowns. Uh, the problem with the run game is that it's been Valade, and that's been about it. Uh, you know, a lot of folks around the ASU program have been kind of bemoaning the fact that Daniel Ngata, a very electric running back, a little smaller but shiftier type, doesn't get as, as many touches as as he probably is warranting. He, he'll probably get like three, four, five carries. They have they moved him as the primary kick returner, just another chance. But he's a guy that probably should be getting more touches and more looks. But right now, it's just with the offensive line issues and, and uh, you know Borgay not be necessarily being a runner like in, in the mold of an Emory Jones he is the run game. So while he's putting up hundred yard games on a weekly basis, most often that's been about it. And then at wide receiver, that was a huge question mark coming out. They had five guys from that, that scholarship wide receivers leave and through the transfer portal after the, uh, over the, the off season. But Elijah Badger has emerged. I believe he's top three in the conference in a number of the um, main receiving categories. He's a guy that is, has been so good that most people are expecting him to be uh NIL'd and portaled out of here uh, to some other bigger destination uh, over the offseason. But, you know, he's been really good. Um, and then, of course, the tight ends. Jalen Conyers has been, you know, is an Oklahoma transfer. It's kind of a big wide receiver, um, but he's really emerged down the last the stretch. Um, then Messiah Swinson's a guy that I, that needs more touches. He's, a, you know, 6'8", 240, 245. Matchup nightmare. When, he, when they've involved him in the offense, good things have happened. The problem is that he might get two targets, three targets, um, so I think that's an opportunity if they, they really want to play to their strengths, you have Badger, you have a couple of good tight ends, uh, as well. Valaday has proven to be an, an effective receiver as well, but I just, it's been real hard for this offense to get going because the problems on the offensive line, they're just losing uh, almost play in a play out basis in those trenches. And it's really kind of not allowing Borgay to be in that comfortable point guard role to get the ball to those playmakers. That was going to kind of be my next question then, because like, what is this ASU offense good at? Like, if you look at Arizona, we know they can throw the ball. They have their three dynamic receivers. They got Titans. They got Delora, who, when he's on, is a top, you know, third quarterback in the Pac-12. When he's off, he's off. But Arizona, we know they can throw the ball. That's what they want to do. That's their identity, and they're pretty damn good at it. 
what is Arizona State's offense good at, or are they good at any in particular, like anything specific in particular? Or are they just kind of like you know, like where? What would you say they're good at? What's their strength? Uh, the last few weeks, the, 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 they're at their best when Valaday is cooking. Uh, when they're when when they're getting him, you know, twenty touches, uh, you know, maybe eighteen uh, carries or so, and then you know, maybe five plus receptions as well. He's been kind of carrying that load. But so when and when they have had their success, and when they've been more, you know, in a rhythm and spurts, it's because he's been able to set things up. And then Borgay, being the savvy uh, play, player that he is, is able to kind of use play action and stuff, and then strike those guys, uh, you know, downfield with taking Badger and those intermediate routes. He's really developed as a route runner as well playing those those mismatches with the big body tight ends that's when things have been cooking the problem is though just with the offensive line issues that the ability to sustain that ground game uh has been um has been lacking uh and, and also finishing drives in the red zone they've had a lot of problems as well so again that's tight ends it could be a big big time factor there i mean the asu had a 15 play drive last week no points they had another 10 play drive another nine play drive no points as well. So sometimes they are getting in a rhythm, uh, just not able to finish the, the, these drives as well. So, uh, but you know, in answer to that, you know, when they are cooking, it's Valaday is front and center of any kind of offensive success they've had basically for the last like six or seven games. So moving to the other side of the ball, you know, we, we know that Arizona's offense last week's, you know, clunker against Washington state notwithstanding has been a pretty solid offense overall, especially in the passing game. Uh, what what is uh what's the story on ASU's defensive side of the ball? What's their scheme? How are they going to try to attack and and uh, this Arizona offense and get in Jaden Delora's head? The defense has probably been the most disappointing thing for this entire uh, football team. Uh, they have they were the number two uh, ranked scoring defense in the conference a year ago. They returned a number of key players. They brought in a lot of quality transfers that have played well, and yet they've really been bad, especially against the run the last few weeks. Uh, a lot of it really has to do with just uh, defensive coordinator Donnie Henderson. I mean, so, of course, when Antonio Pierce left and with the ties to the NCAA investigation to go take the Raiders job, um, you know, he was Donnie Henderson's a guy who obviously was has a long history with Herm Edwards. He was his D.C. with the, the Jets way back when he came in as, as an advisor a couple years ago. But then he was kind of pulled in last year to be the DB's guy when Chris Hawkins left as a return as a result of the investigation. And so kind of just, you know, he's filled in at the DC and just this defense has been far, far less than the sum of its parts. There's good players on this defense, but they've been pretty bad. And even in just the, the post game comments after a couple of these losses, you can tell the frustration from Sean Aguano because ASU is one of the very worst teams in the entire country and getting off the field. Opponents are converting third downs at an obscene rate. And it's not just, you know, that they're picking up, you know, third and threes, they're picking up like third and 13s. Uh, Oregon State, especially last week, would just uh, had like, a number of like third and, and double digit yardage uh, uh, conversions, and you just see the scheme. You know they, they like to play with four down um, linemen in you know, a four three, but just like that's it. They're very very predictable. They're v- they don't bring pressure a whole lot of the time. Uh, early last year, they were able to kind of get away with it, but the, ever since then, especially this year, there's it's just way too passive, way too predictable. Um, the times that they have had great success, like the first half against USC when they were, were neck and neck with the Trojans, they were bringing pressure. Now, Caleb Williams, the magician, so he was able to evade that pressure, but they were having success. But ever since then, it just like uh, play in, play out. This is a defense that's going to run the, the same looks, not challenged. The DBs are, are, are pretty good. Ro Torrance, the Auburn transfer, has been excellent. I expect him to be an all-conference caliber guy. Ed Woods has been starting in the corner opposite him. Also been very good at the last couple weeks. But they're but by the scheme and by coaching, they're playing way off the ball. So just there's so many easy completions that you just see that this is a defense that is just playing so far under its potential based on the coaching kind of holding and the scheme holding them back. It's kind of a little, little dispiriting for uh, for ASU fans just to see that like this is a defense that was capable and on so many of these guys were big and critical parts last year, and they're just not being put in a position to succeed and. You just wonder maybe if there's they were holding some cards close to the vest to, to go out in, in a, in a, a blaze of glory with the Territorial Cup because otherwise it's, it's uh, the defense has been the biggest letdown in my eyes this year. You know, and Arizona fans can kind of sympathize when you have a team that probably looks at the coaching staff and says they are not putting this in position to win what that can do. I mean, two years ago, the game in Tucson was kind of a similar situation so much that obviously everybody knew that the Arizona coaching staff was on the way out the door and it was just the worst case scenario that happened. I'm not saying it's going to be 70 to seven this weekend, 
But in terms of like ASU and how much they're really into this, and because if the defensive players are saying these guys aren't giving us the best chance to win, and we're gonna have a new coach anyway, like that can definitely weigh on guys, right? Because there is that sense of it's the last game for the seniors who maybe want to go out having never lost to Arizona. But for a lot of those players, they've never lost to Arizona. It's so like, okay, whatever. You know, this isn't like our, it's not our last chance to beat them. It's we've beaten them four times, three, four times. Okay, let's just get the season over with and move on to the our, our next program, to the NFL, just whatever the next thing is, the next coaching staff. I'm curious of just like the vibe around that team because we know this game when if neither if one of the teams doesn't care, then it's over already. You know, if one of the teams doesn't want to be there, doesn't really have it in them, the game's over. And if there's going to be a team that's like that, it seems like it would be ASU going into this one. But is that is there any sense that there is that oh, we don't like this coaching staff? It's a joke anyway. Season's over. Let's just get it over with and move on to the offseason and to what's next. I think that there is that possibility, although the, there are a couple things that indicate to me that, you know, if, that if they're going to go down, they're going to go down swing and that they're going to try is, you know, when you go c- contrast this situation to, say, like the 2016 season or especially on the defensive side of the ball back in 2016, that's, that's a group. That You're talking about the game where Arizona won without throwing a pass in the second half. Yeah, absolutely. Just wanna, yeah. I want to get that in there. Yeah. Just to context, I think our listeners will want to hear as yeah. you explain this. Yeah. And further context is like if you watch you know those plays in that second half, like the defense especially was kind of getting blown off the ball. They weren't even trying because yeah. they did not want to play another bowl game for for Todd Graham. And so that I mean they were and you saw the results that happened there. Now this year I think it's a little bit different, and it goes back to what I mentioned earlier of just like even in games that where they're getting blown out in the second half, you know when they weren't competitive against Oregon State, Utah, uh, or games like that, they're still playing hard, they're still fighting, they're still competing. They like Sean Aguano is well liked and loved in that locker room. So there is that. So they, there hasn't been a tone, a, a, you know, a market tone of difference in terms of, you know, what he's been bringing in this, these difficult situations versus say ASU and some other difficult spots in, in the, the recent past over the last decade or so. So I do think that there's that possibility. Um, I think that, you know, some of the senior leaders uh, on this team, some of the team captains are probably in a better mental spot. Um, you know, Kyle Soley first question in the post game press conference after the Oregon state loss, you know, was asked about, you know, why, why was defense struggling tonight? And he's like, I'm not talking about this. All our entire focus is on university of Arizona and, and winning the, that game. So it's okay. Like from the outside, it, it seems like, you know, some of the, the things are in place that the, you know, we have seen week in and week out that, you know, it could have been a situation where they just kind of pack things in, but they've been, they've been fighting. And so, the hope is, if you're a Sun Devil fan, that that continues and manifests itself in kind of one final hurrah of the you know, last vestiges of the Herm Edwards era goes out with a you know a, another another win over Arizona because they kind of rallied the troops and you know circled the wagons uh, yet again. So, Brad, um, what's the perception of Arizona's? I, I guess we can call it a rise to where they've already quadrupled their win total from the last two years combined. Um, you know, what's the perception uh, in Tempe for Arizona as a program and where it's heading, uh, especially, you know, it's hard to disentangle that from where ASU's direction is trending currently, but, uh, you know, do your best to do that. What's the perception from ASU's perspective of the Arizona program? I'm not sure that it's necessarily on the radar yet, just because there's been so many problems on ASU's own plate <laughs> that like they've, they've not been able to necessarily kind of, um, pick up on that. I do th- get a sense that, you know, it's like, okay, you 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 guys are, are, are trending well, but you haven't, I mean, the streak's still intact until you break the streak. Then, okay. Then you, that may, that's maybe a measure of validity. But I, but I do think that just, you know, there's just been so much chaos within Sun Devil program in terms of just, you know, everything that's been going on with the ongoing investigation, the coach dismissal, the uh, up and down roller coaster nature of the last eight games, the, uh, you know, the new, the next hiring of the, the head coach. It's just, there's been so much that I, I don't know that there's been, I mean, there's been so much noise in there. I just don't know that there's anything else that can be added to it. Uh, but I do think that, you know, as long as the cup is residing in Tempe, that that's like one thing they one more thing they don't have to worry about. But, you know, if that, if the result doesn't go their way on Friday, then it just like adds, adds to the, uh, you know, the deluge that uh, has been hammering the program for the last year and a half. Like it makes it real, right? Because until then, it doesn't matter what Arizona's doing. It's like Arizona's going to the Rose Bowl or anything. As long as the cup is in Tempe, it's like, who cares about the Wildcats? But if Arizona comes out on Friday and wins the game, in our perfect world, in a blowout, that would be lovely. You know, I'm hoping for like 71 to 7. You know, that would be <laughs> my ideal. But I guess it's that kind of what you're saying. Though, is if Arizona wins the game, then it's like, okay, ASU has its own problems. And now they're also worse than Arizona. And then it becomes a bigger deal. 
Yeah, and then that's just something else that you know now be, jumps up on the importance on uh, the, the to do list of the uh, next head coach is like okay, uh, you know may not be mission number one, but you know be damn sure to get that cut back as in your in your first season because hey, this is a, a situation where you know ASU is hope, hopeful in terms of you know turning towards a new leaf, getting in that new era, getting a new coach. And and as we've seen um, these days, the portal can result in quick turnarounds. And, you know, if they're able to keep some of their key guys on this roster now, supplement them with with perhaps, you know, with the excitement around the new coach, um, they they can get back into things real quick. But right now they're down They're This is the most vulnerable ASU team in in recent memory. So, um, you know, this is kind of like a, a last hurrah moment. If they can just get, uh, through this one more week, somehow find a way to get a win, keep the cup in Tempe, then that would just help the next era and uh, with the presumed uh, you know kind of role of confidence going forward. With that in mind, this seems like the most beatable Sun Devil team in recent memory, especially when it comes to Arizona. What are your thoughts on this game? How does this one shake out? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'll put you I, on the spot there. I, 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 I do think that Arizona has the edge just based on location. Cause I mean, that, that, I think that does play a factor. We actually had talk, uh, Demario Richard on uh, speak of the devils last night and just kind of asking him, you know, you played two in Tempe with both wins. You played two in uh, Tucson, both losses. And he, he said like that, this is a, that's a hostile environment. That's a crowd that will get in you or get on you and <laughs> yell stuff at you. And that's, and just kind of be unrelenting from, from start to finish. So it is a hostile atmosphere. I do think the edge goes there, but quite frankly, I just, these games, I've just, it's, it's no, no, no matter how, good one team might be going or how bad might be going. It just, it's never seems better than a coin flip. So I don't know, like 51, 49, um, maybe not, not score, maybe percentage chance. Um, oh yeah, no, ASU's not scoring 49 points. No. I don't know that. I mean, that defense, <laughs> I mean, Arizona's defense is like, you see like 120th in a lot of Arizona's given up the 49th spot quite often this season. <laughs> I, I mean, I, which is weird. Like everything points to two teams with bad defenses that have been struggling all year. So, and so maybe this is like a, a, a track meet shootout type game, which means uh, given the the perverse logic of this rivalry that maybe it's like a 13-10 type of type game. I don't know. This this rivalry has done some things to my psyche over the years, just in terms of just trying to predict this. It's I have no idea. I do think that that, that Arizona has the edge and that it's gonna take a like a real gut check type effort on both sides of the ball uh, for ASU to get a, to keep the cup. Um, it's certainly within the realm of possibility because weird things happen. Um, they, they, you know, mentioned they do have the weapons, even though they haven't been used appropriately. Um, if the offensive line can play better, maybe they can, they can certainly, I think, move the ball on this, on this, uh, wildcat def or wildcat defense. I just, I don't know. And then, you know, the passing game of U of A has been very, very good. Uh, ASU strength is their defensive ba- or defensive strength is in, in their secondary. So we'll see there. But, the, you know, the pass rush and, and pressure has been almost non-existent for large stretches. So I, I don't know. I, I give a, a slight edge to Arizona uh, just in terms of, you know, kind of the trend and the location. So it's going to be uh, it's going to be certainly an uphill battle for ASU. All right. Well, we'll take that. It's Brad Denny, Speak of the Devils <laughs> podcast. You can find him on Twitter at BDenny29. As always, we appreciate the time this year. And, you know, I guess like I'll tell all our guests, hopefully both teams have fun in this one. Right. That's, uh, you know. The real territorial cup is their friendships we made along the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll see how long the, that, that friendship lasts once the, the ball gets kicked off. <laughs> All right. And we come back from this break. We'll give you our final thoughts on this big game in Tucson. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, we're back. And thanks again to Brad Denny, Speak of the Devils podcast, covers ASU football. And 
you know, I, I want to feel bad for him because this season has not been great, but of course we've covered Arizona football for a few seasons before this one. So yeah, no, no sympathy for me here. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, all, all the time I'm just spend, spending listening to uh, Brad, I just think of, is this the ghost of college football past for Arizona fans? Because <laughs> it's like the, a lot of the same kind of things and just, you know, like, you know, I, I, I think I think uh, their quarterback is ASU's ret rod, basically. I think that like some of the conversations of where the weaknesses are, where the just lack of performances or where the lack of game planning is and it's it's it was uh it was the spider-man meme where they're just pointing at each other but i think we're on the upswing and that makes me happier yeah i i look at this game and like i think arizona's gonna win i'll get out of the way i think i have like 38 20 or something like that asu part of the reason is like i don't know what they do well you know like x valde is a good running back but asu doesn't run the football particularly well you know asu really they have a good receiver Elijah badger he's a solid receiver but they don't pass the ball particularly well and especially their offensive line is banged up and i guess we'll see who's healthy for them on friday from talking to brad but this is not a team that really scores the ball. Like they don't score points. They're one of the worst offenses in the conference, and that's with, you know, a thirty-six point outburst against UCLA, with the thirty forty-two against Colorado, forty-five against Washington. They scored fourteen against Stanford. You know, like they scored seven against Oregon State last week. This is not an offense that's meant to keep up with you, and their defense just has not been. We're used to their defense being solid. It has not been good this season, and they just seem really ripe for the picking for Arizona to win this game and win it fairly comfortably. Yeah, I think I think if they're going to do a game plan, they're going to try to control the clock. They're going to try to run the ball. They're going to try to avoid mistakes on offense, try to keep Arizona's defense out there on the field and wear them down and keep the, you know, potentially, hopefully, explosive Arizona offense off the field. But, I, you know, I, it's a rivalry game. So, like, as Brad said, like, no matter how good or bad either team is, I, I never think it's more than a 60-40 proposition in either direction. I think... Arizona's probably more motivated after the last, uh, you know, however many years it's been since we've uh, touched the cup. Um, and, and still the, you know, the, the lingering, um, let's, let's say some reminders from certain fan bases, uh, both visual and otherwise in the, in the world of, of past performances that I, I think Arizona's the better team. Yeah. I think if Arizona's defense of the last two weeks is, you know, if you're play even in between the UCLA and Washington State performance, um, I feel real good about this game for Arizona, right? And I think I think it's more likely that Arizona wins by double digits than ASU than ASU wins uh, big. Um, you know, I think it's it's skewed in our favor. I just it's a rivalry game, so it's going to be weird. It just always is. Yeah, of course it's a rivalry. It seems like it's a type where if Arizona gets off of that fast start, kind of like they did against UCLA, ASU is more likely to fold. Like they're going to have a new coach, and like to like Brad was saying, and Sean Aguilar, they play from they like Sean Aguilar, and I believe that. But at some point, human nature kicks in, and you're like, okay, you know, <laughs> like it's not going to happen. It doesn't need to happen. It'll be a new coach, Kyle Dillingham, probably or whoever it's going to be, will be their coach. So maybe this specific game doesn't mean as much to them as it could to a home Arizona, who the last time Arizona played this game at home was a score that no one will remember because no one was ever to be at the game. You know, like they'll actually be in front of fans this time. And there's players on this Arizona team who have not beaten ASU over like four tries, five tries. So it probably means I would think it'll mean a lot to them to finish up at home with a solid win. They are the better team. Like Arizona does things well. They wish they did more things well, but they do things well. and. That seems like if you want to go the every other game for Jay and Delore, like ASU does not a good enough defense. At least they have not been a good enough defense to be the type where they'll cause Arizona's offense to struggle. You know, like that's it. If they can get a pass rush on Arizona, sure. If they can make Jay and Delora, you know, run for his life and not have room to just run with the football, then yeah, they can beat Arizona. They can make it tough, but they haven't been able to, they haven't shown they can do that to anyone all season long. So there's no reason to think it'll happen this game. Whereas conversely, Arizona's defense has been better the last few weeks. Like it, you don't have to squint too hard to see it. Like, well, that trends against ASU. Well, ASU doesn't have a great offense. So in theory, if Arizona can handle you know, UCLA's offense okay and handle Washington State's offense okay. You think they can do okay against ASU's. And again, it's a rivalry game, so anything can happen. But this sets up in so many ways advantage Arizona, advantage Arizona, advantage Arizona. So hopefully that's enough. Hopefully they take advantage of this one and win the game. Yeah, if, if, if X Valade doesn't even have a, if he has an average or below average game, I think Arizona wins comfortably. Right, and if Arizona isolates on him, Elijah Badger's really good. I, it's, I, I feel, 
I feel pretty good about this game as long as there's not some nonsense. Part of me feels like this could be, um, you know, I, I have a feeling T Mac, just a gut feeling that this is going to be a game where he really shows out, maybe gets a couple touchdowns uh, in the red zone, um, or maybe a Tanner McLaughlin type, um, McGronklin. Um, but as long as good JDL shows up and the defense of the last couple of weeks shows up, uh, I, I feel I feel pretty solid. I don't, and I don't know if. Uh, you know, last last year, if you recall, uh, Jed Fish came in with some of those tricky plays that were very cute, but they were mostly successful, uh, even though the Arizona didn't didn't win the game. I'll be curious to see if he pulls any of those out, but I don't know if they they need to be cute. I think they're just the better team, and they can go and do their thing, and they can win and win and win handily. Well, the spread is only four. I think Arizona is better than four points, better than ASU. But what's your? I got thirty eight twenty Arizona. How do you see this one playing out? Uh, I part of me wants to call a, a blowout like that if that qualifies as a blowout. It's a it's a rivalry game, so I feel like ASU is going to make you know have some weird special teams touchdown or make some kind of push. Um, let's I, I'll go with thirty four twenty four Arizona. Okay, okay, and before we wrap up here, Brett, too, of course, territorial cup week. Do you think they need to win? Like, is this a must-win game in any capacity? Because like, I, I think it's a successful season, but obviously if Arizona wins this game, anyone who kind of questions that will say five wins, you beat ASU, that's a good season. Everything's moving in the right direction. But if they lose to ASU this season, you know, at home, with as down an ASU team as there's been, like if they lose this game, does that how much does that taint what they've done? How much does that put a damper on your thoughts on maybe how Jed Fish is doing and what he's doing in Tucson? How much does it or how much should it? <laughs> yes. Um, you know, the narrative game, which you know I hate, I think it would stupidly in the minds of some make this season less of a, a success. It already is a success. It's, they've quadrupled their total win total from the last two years combined, right? Um, and the, and the, the direction is, is very positive. Uh, if you If you win this game, I think it's a you know, a, an unquestioned success by even the most vocal Jedfish or Arizona critics. Um, and I think, I mean, if you, if, if they win this game, I think if you don't have a contract extension for Jedfish within a week or two uh, after the season, you're doing something wrong <laughs> um, okay. as, as Dave Hickey. I think, honestly, I think they probably already should be having those conversations um, and maybe they already are, uh, you know, also, and, and beyond that, I'd say even like, finding some money to keep guys like Kevin Cummings, uh, some assistance they are going to be in demand. Uh, but to, to, to answer your question, it shouldn't be the season's already success. People forget that the, what was the over under preseason, like two and a half or something I think like, it was that. like two and a half. Yeah. Which, you know, that was already blown past. There's a huge win against UCLA. They looked competitive against some of the other, you know, teams in that gauntlet schedule. You know, the Cal game was the unquestioned, uh, you know, one you wish you had back. Washington state was a clunker. Uh, but here's your chance to go out on a high note against your rival. You can exercise the demons. We don't have to hear 70 to 7 anymore, except from a sad, pathetic person that says, oh, I remember in my day. Um, and, and you know, the, and the cup can come home and you feel really good. Uh, you know, it'd be a really, it'd be a nice little momentum push uh, as the transfer portal opens up for some spots as well. And, and you close out the recruiting class. Yeah, I, I can agree with that because I think, you know, beating ASU isn't the barometer for a season, especially when it's a bad ASU. Like, it's always nice to beat ASU and claim the cup because it is a rivalry game. You want to beat them. And there's something to be said for being able to say, yeah, we're the better program in the state. Now, does one win change that? I don't know. Arizona's recruiting was pretty good recently, and they hadn't been in ASU since 2016. So I don't know how much it matters there. And, of course, with ASU getting whatever new coach it's going to be, we'll probably try harder at recruiting, especially in-state, than Herm Edwards was. But when ASU is down like they are, you have to take advantage of that. You know, this isn't like Arizona's favored to win this game. This isn't plucky underdog Arizona trying to pull the, you know, the rivalry upset. This is a better Arizona team. They're not a great Arizona team, but they're a better Arizona team who of their four wins, three are against teams that are going to finish with a winning record. Like Arizona's not a fluke. They've been a decent team for most of the season and a decent team should be a bad ASU at home. So losing this game, I guess there's always context depending on how it goes, like what happened. You know, if everyone just gets hurt on the first play of the game, you know, sure. or the officials are clearly on the take, whatever the case may be, okay. But if everything is somewhat equal in that regard, Arizona should win this game. And I could see, like, I'd say, I wrote for Ezzy Desert Storm. The season's already success. Like, nothing that happens Friday will change that. But if you really want to be like, yep, 
everything is going in the right direction. You you win this game. Like you need to. Because you should win this game. Not because it's like it'd be nice to, but because you should win this game. And that's the difference compared to like last year or even the year, you know, a couple of years before that. That's no, I, th- I think that's I think that's fair. Arizona should, you know, it, it it also kind of come down to how they how they like you said in the context. Like if it's another like two blocked extra points to lose the game or a nineteen point comeback by ASU in the fourth quarter, uh, that'll hurt. <laughs> but you know, I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think it should happen. I don't think it will happen. I think Arizona's going to win. There you go. But let's go with that. And that's a nice way to end this podcast. Of course, thanks to Brad Denny from Speak of the Devil's podcast for sharing his thoughts on ASU. Uh, make sure you're following us on Twitter at Wildcat Radio AZ is the handle. There'll be some interesting stuff coming from the game. I know, Brett, you're going down to Tucson for the game. I will be at home watching the game with my young child who will be dressed out in all his Arizona stuff because it's a big matchup. And, you know, he's got to be a, he's an Arizona fan. Like, of course, I wouldn't do anything other than that. <laughs> you know you find us our podcast you can find us on itunes on spotify if you're on itunes give us a rating a review we will read that review on the air otherwise subscribe to us on both platforms we'd appreciate that but yeah it's, it should be a fun game friday hopefully we're talking about a win next week and of course more basketball as that's coming because that seems to always be fun but we'll talk about it all next week until then have a great thanksgiving remember to bear down bear down <laughs>